Welcome to our mindfulness podcast. Each week or so, we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, It's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply. Let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world. Waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most, in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. Return to your seat or cushion. Sitting in this way, we might wonder what purpose we are achieving. Actually, there is no specific purpose. I think it's really to make us aware of what sitting is, what breathing is, standing is. What are these simple activities that we do most of the time without thinking about them at all? We'll begin our second sitting at the bell.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. Naman Dabutsu. We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters, and each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character, and it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U. And they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlying character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation. Uh, rather than silent meditation, we're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. We will now chant Ju Sege. Say food. 
Please put your hands together in Gasho and bow. Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts. Hello, this is Reverend John Turner, and I want to talk about one of the three important holidays that we recognize and memorialize in the Buddhist tradition. 
these three holidays represent one of three very important milestones within the life of the historical Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama. As Americans, we just observed a very important winter holiday. It was Bodhi Day on December 8th. This is the day that the historical Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, realized awakening under the Bodhi tree. Prior to this event, this tree was simply known as just a ficus, but now it is remembered as the tree of awakening. Its scientific name is Ficus religiosa. It was under this tree 2,500 years ago that Prince Siddhartha sat down. He had been practicing asceticism for six years and was at his breaking point. From when he was a very small child, he had trained to become a warrior king, but this path did not satisfy his need for meaning. He knew how to fight, but he had not yet learned how to live. At 29, he left his father's kingdom and began his spiritual journey. Six years later, he finds himself sitting under this tree. He had hoped that extreme asceticism would be the antidote to finding meaning in life, but it had not been. He was literally all alone in the wilderness, both physically and spiritually. It was here that he sat. He would not get up until he found a middle way, a path in between the world of paired opposites. It is on December 8th, facing east, towards the morning star, that the prince became a Buddha. And this is not just another title, but it is instead an adjective. To be Buddha is to be awake. He then sits for an additional seven weeks, enjoying life through new eyes. But then he begins to feel an obligation to share the Buddhist path with others. The Buddha would put his experience into words in hopes that others might hear the Dharma and practice the way as he had done. He teaches for 45 years. Many did not appreciate his insights, but he continued to teach because he knew that all beings have the potential for awakening. It is this ability to teach effectively and his use of poetic language that can be considered the beginning of Pure Land Buddhism. The Buddha teaches to both mendicants and householders, tailoring his message to his audience. He reaches people where they are in their lives. He also gives practices that enable them to change their perspectives and orientations without having to change who they actually are. The Buddha also relies on the same mechanisms that create bad habits to affect positive change within us, things as simple as listening, speaking, and awareness. But ultimately, we are our own masters, and it is our responsibility to choose how we wish to live our lives, either chasing extremes or finding a place where we can relax and finally exhale. In this way, for over 2,500 years, the student becomes the teacher. As one practices, others begin to follow. For 45 years, the Buddha practiced. It was his devout studentship that created what we now call Buddhism. He was on a path that others followed, not as a divine being or a god, but as someone to emulate. To this very day, this is the goal of all Buddhists. I hope that we too can all take the time to reflect on what a Bodhi day would mean within our lives. It would be so wonderful if we could all make a New Year's resolution to reorient our lives towards practice and to follow the way. This is how we can all truly have a happy New Year for both ourselves and for those all around us. 
The Buddha was able to celebrate every year of his life in this way from 35 to 80 years of age when he passed away under the twin solid trees facing west. His life came to an end just like it will for all of us, but this was a life of great meaning. Nothing had been left undone. Thank you very much. Please join me in Gasho. Namandouts, 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 namandouts. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. Copyright 2021. Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved.